This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the Howdy Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, fam? CJ Finley here, back with another Thrive On Life podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every quarter, I have the luxury of bringing my lovely wife on the podcast, so I'd love to introduce Mrs. Erin Finley tonight. And tonight's a little special because we are going into her 30th birthday next week, so we're going to be celebrating this weekend. How are you feeling right now? Feeling great. Happy to be back on the podcast. Like you said, it's Every quarter, it feels like it was yesterday that we just recorded this, so excited to be back doing this again. We like to do it on Friday nights whenever we do do it. It's, it's a very relaxing, fun activity, so I'm looking forward to tonight's episode. I think we did the last one on a Friday, too. No, it was a Sunday. Sunday, Friday. Same day, I guess. Yeah, it was interesting because the last time we were on the podcast, you were talking about potentially doing High Rocks, and you were trying to bail on me for it, but we convinced you to do it. And I'd love to just kick it off a little bit there about how you were potentially thinking about bailing it and you came in no, second. No, that's not what... So I guess my version of the story is the last episode that we did, and we can go back and listen closer, but it was right after we came back from Dallas and I was all inspired after watching High Rocks and you, you guys competing in it. And I was thinking... That looks really fun, but it's really not my style. I don't know if I'll if I'll ever do that, let alone this year. I'll definitely need a lot of time to train for it. And then I just remember the past like the the several days after coming back thinking about it in my head. Like, but do I really need more time to train for it or should I just go for it? I run a lot, I have the endurance. And just for anybody who doesn't know High Rocks, we've talked about it before. CJ talks about it quite a bit, but it's an endurance and I guess strength race um, for time. It's eight kilometers, so one kilometer between eight different fitness events. 
So a lot of the events are strength-based, but it's very functional, fitness-structured. So you don't have to uh, be a classical strength-training athlete to be able to compete. So it's it really is for everyone. And after... Well, I wouldn't say for everybody. It's, it's really hard. No, right. But it's not like... You don't have to be a CrossFit athlete to be able to compete. Like, I was able to do it, and I mainly do, like, Pilates and running. So there you go. But <laughs> anyway, after the, the several weeks after that, I, I kept thinking about it, and I was like, I really feel like I need to put myself up to a challenge that No, I- no. You didn't want to do it. At the, at, when we got back from Dallas – yeah, I think you're thinking got, of Chicago. No, no, it was it was it was Austin as well. Really? You were, no, yes, I was excited. You were, no, you were hesitant of going into Austin. Okay, maybe a little bit, but I wasn't as nervous about Austin as I was Chicago. So we can talk about Chicago, but Austin, I think towards the end, after I like did a run through, I was like, okay, I, can, I feel like I can do this. So I, I was excited. The event was great. I ended up surprisingly coming in second place for my age group. So that ended up qualifying me to do the national championships, which were in Chicago at the end of June. And that was a whole nother story. I did not want to do that because that meant that I had to go up to the pro weight class, which is a lot heavier than... I'm capable of. I, I thought maybe I could do it, and I did do it. I finished, but I it was beyond my capabilities for the most part. So definitely a very humbling experience, and you one that I learned train. a lot from. So no, no, I didn't. I didn't tell everybody the between details. between. I guess the, what was the the Austin one was May. Was it May? Yeah, it was May, and then the Chicago one was, it was June. One month. So there was one month in between. The Austin race in in May and the Chicago Nationals in June, I did not do any of the strength training drills that I should have done in order to actually compete. I'll I'll even say that, compete, because I didn't compete. I just did the race in, I forget how long, two hours or so. Give people, like, before we got on this podcast, I told her, the the one goal I had for her was to get more in depth of things. So we literally sign up for Chicago and two or three weeks out, she's literally like, I'm not going to do it. I just want to go in and support you. And another girl, I guess, bailed on it. And then some of them were contemplating it. And then Aaron starts contemplating it. And I told her, I was like, I would rather it take you three hours and you do something that you don't that you aren't comfortable doing than for you to bail on this just because you didn't even try and you're afraid to fail in the arena. Like at least step into the arena. So so I guess just to clarify, it wasn't necessarily the, the fear of failure. It was, one, some valid concerns that I didn't think that I was strong enough to even do. I didn't want to injure myself because for perspective, the sled push and pull. So I had to push, what was it? 275 pounds plus the sled. And then I had to pull 165 pounds plus the sled, which is what CJ had to do in the regular open race. So for me, that was like a hundred pounds heavier than what I even did in Austin. And 
I was able to do it. I just did not train at all for those weights. So I was scared that I was going to break my, hurt my back, pull a muscle, and then not be able to, to maintain my fitness and, and endurance after that. But I, I will admit, you know, up to it every day, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm definitely going to Chicago, but I would much rather just cheer you on on the sidelines and watch this because I would get to see the, the elite athletes. And I was really excited about that. But I convinced myself, CJ convinced me to just do it. So we were warming up. We'll talk a little bit about the actual event. So we were warming up that day. I was supposed to go on before CJ, like 40-ish minutes before. And we get there. And not only was there a tornado warning and we had to evacuate, but it was it was a crazy, crazy day. So we get there and I'm warming up on the floor and... I tried to push the sled and I couldn't push it. It moved. It didn't even well, move. Well, you didn't warm up. So let me preface again, going more in depth. Immediately when we get there, because she's been scared of the sled push this entire time, she could not fathom that she'd be able to push the weight at all and doesn't warm up. Immediately when we get there, goes and tries to push the sled, can't do it. And she's like, I can't do this. Can't do this. I was like, I'm going to have to tell them right now that, that I can't, I'm just going to have to back out. Or and I was I'll like, step no, down that's regular. not going to happen. First of all, you got to warm up, get on the treadmill, go warm up. You're going to push this sled. Like, I, d I don't care. You're going to do this. And after a little while of like talking to other people and figuring out like little tips of how to push the sled. For the she first time it. before I do it. Yeah. She so actually I, I started pushed pushing it. The sled. I pushed it like a couple inches and then the actual race went on and I was able to finish it in the moment though it was really humbling because I kept seeing all the other women that I was racing against just finish like well beyond you know I, I was just getting past the one lap and I knew I had a long ways to go but in my head I'm like you know what like this is why you're here like you need to feel this so I kept going it was and then I just had fun with it. I After I realized, you know, there's no way I'm competing in this. Like, everyone's far surpassed me. I'm just going to test my limits. And I I was at the point where it wasn't... What do you mean by competing? Meaning, like, I wasn't coming in second place again. Like, Well, we knew that going in. Well, you never know. No, we <laughs> knew going in. Like, both of us were not going to hit the podium. Like right, like, I knew I was not going to do. I just, we're competing okay, that's against people twice our size. That's an exaggeration. So, but I wanted to call you out on that word competing because I, I think that's what caused your hesitation in the beginning. Be. Is just like you're yeah, not so, looking at competition. So, the right so that's way. A good like point. the competition is literally against yourself. Like just a preface, we started off with that story because a lot of what we want to talk about tonight is really she's stepping into her thirties and like some of the things we want to do is continue to step out of our comfort zones and, and grow as human beings. And one of the things that we made a deal on was if Aaron did high rocks, I will run my first half marathon. And for me, the interesting thing is going to be the goal now has become, I want to run a half and document Aaron running that half. So not only do I have to run the half, but I have to figure out like a book bag contraption to hold some of my gear so that I can run it and like capture her in the moment of running her half because she made it to the championship. So I wanted to up level it a little bit, but also make it a cool moment for us because that's just out of my comfort zone and out of my territory. But the thing for me is the way that I, I view competition is like, I know I'm not competing against anyone other than myself so going into that can you talk a little bit about like 
what was going through your mind in terms of when you say the word compete? Yeah, so I guess I don't ever mean against anyone else. I, sh- I shouldn't have phrased it that way. I'm very competitive with myself. And usually when I set out to do something for time or for a particular achievement, it's I hold myself to extremely high standards. And when I feel like I can't meet those standards, I'd rather just not do it. That, that but that's is, not, in my eyes, that's not the highest of standards. The high, How do you know your highest standard unless you fail? Totally. And that's what I'm learning now as I do things like this. I'm rewiring my brain to think beyond that and think exactly what you just said is the real achievement is overcoming that mindset of like, no, this is just to prove to yourself that you're capable of doing what you think you can't do. And not everything has to be done to this level of excellence because excellence in itself could just be showing up that day and being on the floor. And that in itself was what I was grounded with in the experience of, I just remember at one point finishing a lap and just looking up and I knew, you know, I was really one of the last ones out there, but I just felt so like I smiled to myself and I was like, this is awesome. Like I am here. I never thought I would do something like this. I don't even care like what time I finish this. Like I'm going to smile and have fun with this. And I was, and I was really proud that I continued on. And to me, that's what it was all about that day. And as humbling and as frustrating as it was to not physically be able to push or pull that thing or whatever it was that I had to do, it felt great to defeat it. Like even though it was moving as slow (laughs) as anything, it was still moving and I was still doing it. And to me, that was just an analogy for all the other things. It's, It's really not about, like fitness to me is so much deeper than the weights or the running or the times or any of it. It's really just my example that remains a constant for me about how the way we treat fitness endeavors is the same resistance that life throws at us and so that whole time I was out there I was just thinking in my head like getting through this okay come on life like throw something else at me like I feel ready this is just sharpening my mind it's sharpening my body I'm ready and more and more of those examples that I can gather and do voluntarily I know the more capable I'll be and more resilient I'll be to get through life's hardest times. And that's the message that I'm really passionate about sharing is we should all be willingly putting ourselves through hard things to sharpen ourselves for life (laughs) and encouraging other people to do that because you put yourself through that, then you can put yourself through anything. And if you can get through it with a positive frame of mind, that's that's how we all get better. You mentioned a word there, resistance. What gave you the most resistance in your 20s that you're trying to, as you move into your 30s, kind of get rid of? When I think about resistance in life, it's usually when you have some kind of uncontrollable circumstance come your way that interferes with what you had planned or your current situation, something that throws you off um, and it's typically out of your control. And I guess in my 20s, I would think the biggest example of resistance was losing my father and then having to deal with that tragedy and overcome all of the complexities around that situation while I was still trying to build my own life. 
And that was frustrating, not only because obviously dealing with grief in and of itself is an extreme hardship that doesn't go away, but having drama and complexities to to deal with as a 22-year-old when I'm just trying to get my career off the ground and live my life and figure out who I am, that was some serious resistance. But now looking back on it, I'm super proud of how mature that made me, how I've handled all of the situation and how I'm now able to maybe relate to other people that go through loss or are struggling with other forms of traumatic events in life. So I think a lot of the learnings from that have manifested in different ways. And I think resistance can be something as big as a tragedy or it can be as something as small as something that just doesn't really go your way. Maybe you thought you were going to get this certain job. So, so let me clarify here. Like, I don't necessarily, that's not where I was really going with resistance. What I meant by resistance is like, you know you need to get something done yet you continue to procrastinate on it. Like, where do you feel resistance in your life where something's just not Self-imposed resistance? Yes, yes. More so like the little things that actually add up to be the big things that you're trying to kind of sharpen. Because you mentioned sharpen before that. And I'm happy you went where you went uh, a minute ago because I'm a big believer that that did create who you are today um, and who you're striving to be, continue to be. But let me clarify, what I was really looking for was there's a lot of people out there, including myself, who on a day-to-day basis, we feel certain resistance in different areas. And the more that we can break through those those little things and unlock the next level, just because we figured out like, okay, this one thing helps me procrastinate less, or I now don't fear what other people think, so I'm able to unlock this next goal in my life. So where do where did you feel a lot of resistance in your 20s? And it doesn't just have to be one thing, it could be multiple things. For me, like I'll give a great example is the resistance to go out and please other people. Like show up to every networking event and little things. Like in my head there was resistance of like, oh man, like I really don't necessarily want to do this, but I just kept doing it. And now I've done a much better job of reeling it in and controlling that. And I feel like I'm in a flow state because of that. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I just interpreted that differently because when I think about like resistance and fitness and putting up the gears and whatever, it's usually to like move past something that you don't have control over. But when you think about self-imposed resistance or resistance that you inflict onto your own life, it's different. And for me, maybe it's it was resistance towards who I naturally gravitate to be. And I think I, I'm stepping more into the most authentic version of myself since I've been living in Austin, since I've been in a community of people that I think inspire me and bring out the best in us and everything that sharpen who we are and who we want to be. Uh, but maybe it was a resistance around feeling like I had to conform to different societal expectations for my social life, for my uh, maybe relationships, for my career, um, and just expectations that others have of me that I didn't necessarily have for myself or I was 
subconsciously setting for myself without even really doing the evaluation to see if that's what I wanted for myself. So I think that's maybe something that a lot of people in their 20s could relate to is just not really taking the time to step back and think, are these things that you're striving towards or are, are all the activities like you said, the networking activities and all the things that you're saying yes to, are they because you want to say yes to them? Is it because you want that job? Is it because you want to be in that relationship? Or is it because you feel like you should be for some other reason? So I think maybe there's resistance there for me to to step away from things and more into what is the most me. And that's where I think lately I've been doing more of that and really identifying what's a no. And that's probably the best way to gravitate towards who you truly are. It's not necessarily what you say yes to, but what you say no to. Every no is a yes at the end of the day. And that's the reason I was going down that path is because that's how I feel like High Rocks was to you, where it's just like you're not viewing it as something that's like naturally you. But for me, I'm like, you've always been really strong and your endurance is through the roof. So I was like, this is like the prime place for you to thrive and challenge yourself because it is out of your comfort zone because you've never done it before, but it's not something you're not capable of really doing well. I'll give an example of what I was just talking about a second ago around like the expectations and societal pressures and whatnot. whatnot. You talked about how you were always like partying and networking and stuff. I I never liked to part. Like I never was a partier. I never really liked to drink. I never really liked to be social. (laughs) If it was up to me, I would stay in all the time and like just read and learn. And for a long time, I thought something was wrong with me. And now I'm like, okay, how can I use this as a superpower? How can I lean into the fact that I just really like to be alone at times and just learn and study? And I'm like now realizing that's a really cool trait. And it's not something to be, you know, ashamed of or whatever. I'm that's just who I am. I don't watch TV. I don't watch shows. I would always think, what is wrong with me? I'm not like a normal girl that likes to watch these TV shows and stuff. And I just don't. So if anybody out there is like that, like you're not alone. I hardly watch movies. I can't. Just little things like that. I felt resistance to try to change myself to be more quote unquote normal. But I'd rather just run 10 miles than than watch something. <laughs> so that might be crazy, but that's also what makes me me. So I, I think it's a lot about just figuring out where where you, what brings you joy. And if it is watching whatever, then that's great too. But don't not be who you truly are because you feel like something else is what you should be. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Aaron. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day 
with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Aaron Finley. I like that a lot. And yeah, I can I can definitely validate the fact that you don't like watching movies, except when we were in like <laughs> fifth grade and we went to go see Shrek or whatever, Demerit Free or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't think we've ever watched a full movie. It's it's not that I don't <laughs> like it. And this is this is something to I'm trying to learn about myself a little bit more too. I think I just don't have a lot of patience. Like I it has to be a really suspenseful movie for me. You like rom coms. You like good eh, rom coms. You sometimes, do. Sometimes. You do. Okay. Why 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 can't you just say that? you do? Yeah, sometimes, but I sometimes they bore me. I mean, you just said it. If they're a good one, you'll like it. Yeah, but this is this, but this is actually is, this a good is a point. Great this point. is a good point. Like if Let it's say, quality, you you invest in it. If it has for a le- sure. and a for lesson sure. to it. If it has a lesson to okay, it. Okay, for so sure. So it ties back to the learning. It has to have some kind of return. But I I will say that it can be problematic like what I learned, the fact that I never really liked to sit there and just watch something and zone out was partially because I felt like I always had to be doing something productive. And that in itself is not necessarily the best thing. So I've been realizing that a lot about myself. Where are those moments where I catch myself being like, well, this isn't productive and Aaron's version of what productivity is so but what is aaron's version of productivity exactly because like that's what who, i'm who gave you that yes, view of productivity yes, exactly. where did that come from so that's what i'm trying to figure out i keep asking myself every time i catch myself thinking like or feeling on edge because i'm not doing something that is deemed productive in my mind such as running or learning something or working on something for work or on the side or things that i've subconsciously classified in my mind as being productive. I'm, I'm asking myself the question, but is that really productive or is it more productive for me to actually just sit here and then go do those things when I have a renewed sense of energy and, <laughs> I don't know, more rejuvenated? So it's, it's more of that but kind of But do you think the, the, the constant catering towards productivity stems from trauma? It could. Maybe it's, uh, I think it could be a distraction mechanism to That's keep what me yeah. um, just occupied, my mind occupied and not having to confront this emptiness. So that's another good point of what I've been trying to do more and be more mindful of is even just going on a walk. Like we're so inclined these days to put on a podcast or listen to a music and or call somebody even or go on a walk with somebody else. But what about if we just go on these bike rides or walks or sit in our homes just by ourselves with no other form of distraction? And I think that's what we, I think everyone could benefit from doing that more to just kind of be alone, see where your mind goes. And I'm not talking about meditation because I think that has a separate intention, but this is more like let yourself think, but you don't need these extra distractions going through your mind just to not be thinking about whatever it is that you don't want to confront. So that would be my advice. I think it's been more helpful for me to notice the tendency to do that 
and the benefits of just being in my own silence and actually thinking through scenarios fully and, and recognizing when I need that time to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I've battled over the years as well, and that's one thing that connects us. But in my eyes, like I'm starting to to realize that productivity is a sign of escapism in itself. Like, if you're super focused on being quote unquote productive, you're not being fully present yeah. at the end of the day because you're just constantly thinking about being productive for some future reality that you're trying to create versus embracing the reality that exists right in this very moment. Now, there's a time and the place for for both because if you're not striving for a better future in the current moment, like you'll never that future won't ever exist. But you also have to realize like our time here is finite. So I don't like the word balance because I don't necessarily believe in it. I feel like you can live a life that is kind of like in flow where you're just painting all on one board rather than all over the place. Like you can, you don't have to be one person at your job and then another person at your family dinner and then another person, like you can kind of mix them all together if you're doing it the right way. And I think it stems from what you just said, like the way that you get there is by being able to sit alone. And I think that's something that I would, I would, I would say over 95% of the population probably can't do maybe even greater to just sit there with, with no noise. And it's helped. I've realized also lately, I've noticed a couple instances where I'm specifically like, whoa, I have no patience. And so this has been a way for me to help build my own patience. Because you think that I'll get in the car, I have about a 20 mile commute to and from work. And when I get into my car to go home from work, typically I'm just automatically thinking about, okay, what do I have to do when I go home? Or like, okay, what's the last thing on my mind that was from work that I'm still carrying in my mind? And I have this tendency to want to call you. What are you up to? What's our plan for tonight? Or my mom, hey, here's what happened, blah, blah, blah. What's going on? Or whoever. Or if if not call somebody, then I'm thinking, okay, what can I, what podcast can I put on? What kind of music do I want to listen to? Maybe that's to drown out those thoughts or to not think about it. And so lately I'm catching myself in that and I'm like, well, maybe the lack of silence is contributing to my impatience because needing to call, needing to be thinking about the next thing is like a rushed mentality. Where do you think it stems from though? Where in your life do you feel like it started? For me, it was as a kid, I was hyperactive. So I got thrown into all these different sports as a, as an outlet, right? So as a kid, like you start doing all these outlets. But then once you start doing things, like for me, like quitting so, was not an option. So, so you I get so ingrained in like point, go yeah. to school, go to the sport, do the homework, wake up, repeat. Yeah, that's a, and like so you're making you me don't, think. You don't want to pull out of the sport. So like I just kept adding more and more and more and more. And by the time I'm 16, 17, 18, I'm just so used to doing that that everything is just – I'm impatient if I'm so, not just running so, to the next thing. So yeah, I think as children, this is probably where it comes from. You're you're praised for being kind of like a busy student, someone that's 
you know, scholastically achieving, but also involved in all these extracurriculars. And why are you praised for that? Because you have good time management skills and that's super important. You know how to prioritize stuff, still get all your homework Mm. done, still study. And you know, you can also, you're great as a team member in sports. And sure, those are really important skills to have. And I'm sure that they will be forever to be able to carry on into life. But we should also be thinking about what, is that inhibiting children from developing? Mm. Because what we're seeing in our lives manifest is just this compounding of always feeling like we have to bucket our time and be constantly thinking about what's next. Because you're right, it did stem, like in my childhood, I was a competitive dancer. So I would literally come home from school, have to eat really quickly, figure out what homework I had to get done before dance, figure out what homework I was bringing in the car, get to dance, do four hours of dance practice, come home from dance, maybe finish up some homework, maybe, you know, get ready for the next day. And if, if I think about any time that I actually had to just like chill, that, that just sounds like a distraction. There was nothing. You're there was no life. time to think about anything else. So I think that that just was a perpetual cycle. And then the moment, and this is where I, I've seen this in my own life and then in others as well, when you finally are broken away from that cycle of school extracurriculars and maybe it's after college when you have your first job and suddenly you feel like you have all this free time that you have no idea what to do with. Um, So I I think for those who have a similar background of like this disciplined (laughs) nature of wanting to be involved in all these things and like it's not it wasn't just dance in school it was like all the clubs and I was trying to be president of women's whatever and <laughs> all these things well, national honors like I don't even remember what they're called what what did you <laughs> win when we graduate most likely to be most most likely to succeed oh yeah um nice. so <laughs> whatever that means but um you what did you get most competitive most competitive yeah I remember that <laughs> some things Two never changed so, um, anyway, I, I think that that is an interesting thing to, that should be studied. And I'm... Yeah, uh. I th- so to, to couple off that, I, I heard something really interesting today that was unique, which is rare. I, I, I read and listen to a lot. So when I hear something for the first time that I've never heard before, it got my mind thinking. And I think it's a good time to bring it up right now because it kind of applies, like we're thinking back to childhood. So when you're born... You come out of the womb and like everyone's just giving you attention, right? And they're giving you all this oxytocin and love and affection. The problem- Like a new puppy. Yeah, like a new puppy, right? The problem starts to happen though is then you start getting your attention based on how well do you talk? How well do you crawl? How well do you walk? And if if you're not meeting certain standards, something's wrong or you got to- something else has to happen, X, Y, Z. So then as a kid, to get attention, what do you start doing? Acting out in certain ways. So you're either a kid that does something bad to get the attention, or you're the kid that does something comedic to get a laugh, uh, and then you're the comedian. Like, there's different ways. Or if you're me, you get really good at sports to get the attention from that. It shows up in different ways, and we don't really know that we're doing that. It's just a, it's a human nature, right? Like, When we're a little kid, basically what he said was, when you're born, you're a miracle, right? But he told the audience today that you're still the same miracle. 
regardless of if anybody is telling you that you're that miracle. Yeah, like, it's like and we, that's we what live we for validation. As, as adults, is we don't believe that we're, that like, literally right now, if you're listening to this, the fact that you have a beating heart, like still, like I research science, I'm still like, how does that happen? Honestly, like, I've been meditating crazy. on that lately. Like I'll wake up and I've been trying to implement before I think about anything else, I'm like, think about something really abstract that's crazy that exists. Like the fact that we can reproduce, the fact that we can wake up and, and actually run. Like that's really cool. Some people can't, you know? So just having gratitude for all these You know what I thought things. about the other day? Your eyes. Yeah. Like, think how complex it is for you to see in a certain way. And how cool it is that they're different colors. Yeah, because yeah. other organisms doesn't don't have color. So yeah. what would it be like to live a life in color? There's people that know. There's people that know that they they see black and white. Well, I was meaning your eyes are blue and mine are brown. But yeah, the fact that oh. we can see colors as well. How do we know that I see the same color you see? We don't. You don't. Well, I mean, colorblind. you don't. I'm colorblind, so yeah. I see it in a distorted way. But it's it, it really like it hit home when he when he said that. I was like, wow, I've never really thought about that. So from the time we're one or two years old we are conditioned in a certain way and then it just starts getting worse and worse and worse. And as you mentioned, like in high school, I think that's the pinnacle because you're trying to not only please parents, but you're trying to please colleges to try and well, all get, you think about is get college. in there. Like, and then oh, you're trying to please to your coaches or your dance coach or whoever. Like there's so many strings. You're, you're like a freaking puppet attached to so many things. And what ends up happening is once you graduate college, at least for me, all the strings kind of get cut because it's like your parents now kind of are off your back because they're like, you graduated, you have, you're going to have a job. That was like, the weirdest whatever. for me. And <laughs> then like, you don't, you're not playing sports really anymore. You're not dancing or doing whatever. And it's just like, you live your whole life by this one construct. And then a lot of people fall into the trap of because they're used to that construct, they put the same construct into their job. Yeah. Okay, so and that works for some the, people. The new carrot is the promotion, the three percent promotion year over year or whatever else. But yeah, I didn't know we'd end up here in this conversation. But um, I'd love to chat a little bit about what are your biggest intentions in your thirties, because I think a lot of people, myself included, like when we're younger, we look at thirty like you're like so old, like holy shit. Yeah. Versus I like I was, I was telling you earlier today i mean you you and i both we treat ourselves way better at 30 than we did at 18 and like i feel better and i'm excited this is probably the first decade where i'm really excited about life yeah i think it's i think it's really interesting because I, and we were talking about this on our walk just before this that i feel like i'm turning just a complete new chapter. Like I'm going to view this next decade as this is my opportunity to reframe my life. And I don't mean like I'm going to drastically change anything, but I want to start doing exactly what I was just talking about. More stillness, more of self-awareness. Like I, I think I am very self-aware, but less of the programming that got me here and more new programming that's going to get me there in, in my future. And so I think the biggest thing for me is to not view the past three decades as the only time when I done, I've done most of my learning. Like, yes, I, I've gone through all of school, 
college, graduate school, but I feel like I'm going to learn the most now because I'm never going to stop. Like there's always something that I'm going to continue to so understand why learn? better. Because I wanted to poke on this a little bit earlier. Uh, because it's going to be what I want to learn, put it that way. <laughs> um, no, but why learn in the first place? Like, so give give some context to why is learning important? So to it's Aaron? super important to me because I feel like, well, I truly believe that we are all the only thing responsible for ourselves. So in order to be totally in control of our own lives to the best that we can be is by understanding how to live. And for me, that's like an example of what I mean I want to learn is how to optimize my life. So I, I want to learn more about what it means for me to be healthy. And that's unlearning a lot of things that I thought were healthy maybe in my 20s. I want to learn a lot about what it means to uh, be smarter about the way that I work and invest and things like that. I don't want to ever assume that what I'm doing is what I should be doing forever. Uh, I want to constantly challenge what I do so that I can understand different perspectives and change when I'm presented with information that makes more sense to me or that I agree with more. So I don't even want to get into it, but part of what is going on with our world right now is people are just, they stick to a side and they just close off and don't want to hear any other sides. And I'm not about one side or the other on anything. I'm more about just how can we all learn for the sakes of ourselves and make decisions that are best for ourselves and not care what anybody else chooses to do what's best for themselves. Um, and that could be related to anything in the world. Um, so for me, that's why it's important. And I'm excited in my 30s specifically to, I'll hone in a little bit more on my health and wellness goals. And that's really, I struggled a lot with sickness in my 20s. And the past couple of years, I've been doing really well. I've self-corrected a lot of things, but I don't feel like it's, I can't stop here. Um, I can't assume that this is how it's going to stay. And I think one thing that we do have to recognize is that things change around us, things change within us, and we always have to keep evolving to understand why and how to how to handle that. So for me, it's a lot of it's going to just be a lot of self experimentation. And one thing I'm doing right now is <laughs> I finally hired a running coach. I'm really passionate running something I developed after I stopped dancing and it started in college so I've been running for the past 11 years now and it was kind of a hobby that I developed and discovered I was pretty good at but I never really knew exactly how to train so I just was doing these races was doing well and suddenly over the past I'd say a year or so I was like you know I actually don't maybe don't know what I'm doing or I could know more I could learn from somebody who is an expert and maybe what could I achieve? So I just actually started working with a coach and one of the things that I'm going to be working on a lot is managing stress with it. I think running can be a good stress reliever, but it can also be a stressor on us. So a lot of my training is going to be... <laughs> I feel like the word is patient. Patient? Yeah, we were talking about patience earlier. So you're running now at, instead of running at full pace, you're... She's challenging you to run 10-minute miles, which is yeah, tough for so, so it takes So patience. a lot of what I'm learning is that to be a more efficient runner, most of your running should be easy run running, quote-unquote easy. And I always thought that I, like, 
when I was running, running felt easy to me. So I didn't view any of my runs as being extremely taxing on the body. But I'm doing a lot of more. I'm incorporating, you know, my whoop data. So heart rate variability and heart rate. So I'm really closely monitoring my heart rate zones through different styles of workouts and running in particular. And a lot of it's going to be optimizing my heart rate so that I'm able to be more efficient. Um, so it has been the, the first couple of weeks, it's been running 12 minute miles. And for perspective, my average pace is usually like around 7, 7.30. So it's definitely slower, um, but really cool to learn. And I'm excited to continue using data to understand more. What are you scared about going into your 30s? I believe my biggest fear is that I will not fulfill I don't know if the words fulfill, I won't reach my potential. I feel like I hold myself back and this goes back to the resistance that we talked about, but I'm trying to identify when I do hold myself back and when I'm putting up walls that block me from opportunities that would allow me to step further into who I should be or who I could be. And I think that's what scares me the most is letting time go by and not acting on things that I know could allow me to be the best version of me because something is holding me back from it. So like, for example, like getting this coaching and wanting to do this accomplishment, it's this really small thing in my life, but it's changed my life so far. So who knows what else? So what are these other examples? Like that's, that's a really small example. What other small examples are existing in my life that hold me back? And that's what I'm trying to avoid. What are they? I always did want to like have my own business. And so I think that's been something I've thought about doing now, thought about doing before, thought about doing in the next couple of years. And then I'm like, oh, maybe it's something that I'll do way in the future. So I feel like setting concrete timing associated with certain goals is helpful because I think we all have tendencies to just keep pushing things away. Having watched you, I think because you are such an avid learner and intelligent, you hold yourself back in ways because you know step 100, right? But reverse engineering down to the smallest task, like sometimes you kind of have this view of like, what's the point of doing this one little thing? Yeah. Like kind of mentality because you do see the, the full path and I think going into your 30s, if you can, like with the running, enjoy the process a little bit more. I'm just thinking through this right now. Like we're talking about patience and we're talking about doing things for validation of other people. I think you're breaking through all those things in your late 20s. And then going into your 30s, you're going to be able to kind of just do things because you want to do them. Yeah. And those are the small steps that ultimately lead to you building the entire pyramid. You have to start with that first brick. So like for the running case, it's the first brick is just getting a running coach. Like find somebody that you connect with and just go after it. And the reason I'm kind of walking through this is for anybody that's listening to this, apply that same mentality to your own life in this very moment. Like like we didn't set the goal of Aaron's going to win a marathon. Right. We just said you know what? I want to learn a little bit more about running. I'm just going to hire a coach that I connect with. Right? I mean, yeah, that's what you yeah. did pretty much, right? So yeah. anybody can that take that advice. That was the most logical first step. And go do that. So 
what are some goals that you have that are quantifiable? Big ones, small ones, like, because you mentioned your potential, but yeah, I think what I, keeps you in a loop is keeping think, your potential vague. I'm sure, exactly. And I think that's, that's exactly where I was going with this. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that fear of feeling like there's more out there for their life, but something is preventing them from doing it. And maybe it's this lack of clarity around what the next steps are. And I feel like it's good to outline your ideal situation, like what you think your ideal life looks like, and then kind of reverse engineer down. But make sure you keep revisiting that because for me, it's changed a lot over the past couple of years. And I've had like certain things that I thought I wanted to do, I don't anymore. So that's good. That's well, that good information too. Well, that brings up a great too. point because the way that you find your ideal life is by putting on the paper what you do not want. That like gets rid of a lot of options. And that's the only way to know anyway. So, but there's no sense in mapping out your ideal life and thinking, okay, I want to go to these places and I want to do this and I want to achieve X, Y, Z and have this family or whatever. If you don't take action on anything to see if that's the right path to take. So it's a mixture of mapping it out, identifying the steps, and then actually taking those steps. And I find myself sometimes not taking steps. And then I'm like, okay, well, then is that because I'm holding myself back for some fear or is it because I actually don't want that thing? So I think that that's a good question to ask too and to notice about yourself. So for me, it's I think doing that, like you said, having more clarity around what it actually looks like that I want to achieve and then reverse engineering down with more clarity because you're, you're right. I think keeping it vague is what keeps everything as it is. Why do you think you had vagueness in your 20s? I don't know. I don't necessarily think I did have vagueness in my 20s. I think I was I, – I wouldn't say it that I did. So here it goes back to expectations of like what you want from your life versus what other people want for your life. From the outside, it could look like, oh, it wasn't vague because you did certain X, Y, Z things. But to you, in my eyes, it's like, just like you mentioned, what is it really what you want to do? So it is kind of vague. Like I've never, I mean, you're starting to do it, but like if you came to me and you're like, I'm going to do X. Uh, remember how I was about grad school? That's one. But like I'm... Like that was one and that was three years ago. So what has kind of stopped you from doing that over the years? And I want to clarify that this is all, it's all of humanity. We all do the same thing. So are you asking me what has stopped me from saying I want to do X and have X be a very well-defined outcome? Yeah. I was actually chatting with somebody on, on Instagram about this today. Like why is it hard for human beings? Like, why is it hard for us to do that? To, one is uh, what I was speaking to him about. It's like our ego is when we say we want to do X, that fear of failure, that means that if we don't do it, then it's a failure. Okay. But so it's not necessarily, I don't think it's always that. I think that sometimes that can be the case. But I think also it's, for me, I, I like to keep options open. Like I said before, I, I'm like, I like having this like kind of open mind to things. So if I clarify, if I say I'm going to do X and I like go full force at that, then what if this other thing comes over But then you here? end up doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that is what happens. 
Yeah, so that's not great either. Um, so I think there's a no. I'm I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying that that's <laughs> the, what you saying. should do. I'm, I'm saying that saying. I think that's one reason why people don't say right. Draw the line in the sand and say I'm going I after think this. We're hitting on the the relationship problem with people too. Really? Oh, it, oh, yeah. This that, type of mentality that's true. stems over into everything. That's true. You don't want to commit because you're like, what if so-and-so comes along and they sweep me off my feet, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with life, business, everything. But, uh, but okay, so this comes back to the expectation thing too. Because let's let's say it's, this is about a job and you say, I'm going to get X, Y job and in this field, this type of position, or I'm going to start my company around blah, blah, blah. And then you don't, and then something else comes along. And even though that other thing is better for you and you know it is, you feel like there's these people that are like depending on you to still do that other thing that you said. But really, that's not true. So I, I don't think it's necessarily fear of failure or fear of not doing it. It's almost like you have this association to it that you think your identity is somehow wrapped up in it. And that if you don't do what you said you were going to do, then that somehow affects that. And I, I think that we logically know if we were to break it down that way that that's not true. And if you were to really ask yourself, like, who do you feel like is depending on you to do to follow through on this thing? And you were able to say, no, I think everybody would want me to do as best for me. Then, well, anybody that I care about would want me to do what's best. Yes, for me. yes, but maybe there are people you feel like you're letting down, and then you have to ask yourself, why? Why does that bother you? Right, because. So Maybe has you're gonna that let people down the other life? way too? Probably, I I do think so. I think there have I can't name a specific example off the top of my head right now, but I think for sure because I've had this thought before of, you know, why do we get wrapped up in these ideas and feel like we can't change our path because somehow somebody along the way is gonna feel <laughs> like upset by it, or why can't we leave certain jobs or something because you feel like you owe something when really no, like you can do what you want. So yeah. yeah. I just live by the fact that people are upset. That's their problem. People will mine. always be upset. <laughs> That's what I've been telling myself the these days. It's like, just be happy with your own life and focus on yourself. And then you can't worry about what other people, like the biggest thing that I keep reminding myself lately is like people are going to always have something to say about you no matter what you do. You cannot control anyone's opinion. You can't. You can't control anyone's perception of you. All you can do is be you and and always strive to be like the best version of you, the one that you would be proud of. So <laughs> that went very off topic, but I think that's a good message that is helping me lately. So it's not, it's not off topic. It it all loops in. It comes back to again like distraction, a lot of lack of patience and trying to be productive and to be validated comes back to our caring about what other people think. And no matter what, people are going to have opinions regardless. And it's been said on millions of podcasts before, and I'll say it on this podcast hundreds of times after this, like the way that you thrive on life is you have to define that life for yourself. Because again, like if you go left or you go right on each side of those paths, People are not going to like it. People are going to like it. Like, But at the end of the day, if you can get in the bed and look at yourself and say, when you go to sleep, I love my life and I'm proud of what I'm doing and what I'm working towards, that's all, that's all you can do with your, with your heartbeats. So we're getting close to wrapping this one up. 
Is there anything else you want to say before we go into your uh, lovely 30th birthday weekend? I would just say that I'm thinking a lot about what thriving looks like in my 30s, what thriving means to me. And I think the big thing in my mind is just inner peace and being totally at peace with what is, being present and being grateful and having that every day and just knowing that that's, that's all that matters. So, The pursuit of less. The pursuit of less as well. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. I think inner peace stems from if everything was taken away from you, could you still be happy? Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally just being okay with everything, knowing that I have everything that I need to get through. Like, everything inside of me, I should say. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway from this one was when you're talking about learning and continuous learning, I think it's not something that's talked enough about in this world. A lot of people get their job or get whatever it is and then they only learn what's in their little world rather than yeah. like having a curiosity outside of that. And I yeah. think the cool thing about learning is you get better at actually learning. So it's like you, un you start, you become a better human. I mean, if I'm curious about what you're doing and what, you know, the stranger down the street is doing, then I'm just more able to interact in the world and be but even more so human. than that. Like, cause some people be like, well, they roll their eyes at like being a better human. They're just like, I just want to watch my Netflix and chill. Like they don't care. But if you get better at learning, like ultimately selfishly, every individual's life, your life will get better. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. But like in my eyes, when I think of better human, like it's just like, there's a difference between you becoming better. No, in a I, I'm, way. I basically just meant in an ideal world, we would all continuously learn. But I feel like we get past school years and stop learning. Or you just learn enough to get through your job or to yeah. get you through raising a child. Or you, you get through, curiosity. like, you learn you learn to live, like, whatever that means for your specific life, whether it's raising a kid, family, or getting through your ranks of your job. But what are you learning that's not related to those things? I love that. Stay curious. That was my biggest. <laughs> that was my biggest takeaway here, because I think everything that we talked about. If you're staying curious to learning and question yourself, too. you're going to solve all those problems that we were talking I think about. That's that's a big theme of this too. Like all starting with the Hyrox conversation is question your own doubts, question your own thoughts. Like I, there's a lot of things that I'm doing now that I would have never done before, and I think yeah, change all be your mind. A lot of people can learn from that. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. It was such a pleasure speaking with my life. Aaron, happy birthday. Can't wait for many more. As always, please, if you're listening to this on Apple, go rate and review. That's the best way to help us. And if you're listening on other channels, I'm just thankful you're listening. If there's anything we could do to make this podcast better, let me know. Reach out to me on Instagram, on you know where to find me. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. 
So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.